Hey everybody, welcome to a bonus street fight. I know we took a lot of time off over the summer, but I had an interview planned and it actually lines up perfectly because I'm wrapping up our sect zine right now that has a lot of wonderful submissions uh, from listeners and frequent collaborators of Street Fight. Um, this is, well, this is part of my labor series is what it is. I really take a liking to uh, talking about labor struggles and the organizations, local organizations and what they're doing and how they're finding success or, um, you know, where they're at currently. I've talked to Burgerville, I've talked to Whole Foods. And this week I have a very cool guest. Her name is Antonia Crane. She is from the Soldiers of Pole, and I'm ready to get this thing going. Thanks for being here, Antonia. Hey, it's a pleasure. Nice to see you, Brett. Yeah. Um, I didn't even know. I didn't know your uh, pronoun when we were emailing. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. So it's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm glad you're here um, because you know this is something that uh, I don't. I I stay out of. Um, I am. You know, uh, have a very regular sex life. I'm married. Um, we don't really delve into stuff like this a lot. Um, I don't think it's anything like sinful or bad, or it's just something that isn't a part of, you know, our, our day to day, uh, our, our weekly, I guess, recording and stuff. But, you know, there has in the last few years with our listeners and DSA, we've seen a lot of like critical support for sex work and stuff. And, um, I, you know, there just hasn't been enough yet. So I hope that we can reach out, uh, to people and, uh, get this information out there. Yeah, it's a interesting topic. And um, we're a workforce like any other workforce. Uh, I think that I was on the phone doing some numbers with a fellow soldier of pole, which is the labor movement that is gaining momentum in California, after the dynamics law changed in the Supreme Court, making us employees, that um, there's roughly maybe probably 45,000 strippers in the United States. And we're thinking that in Vegas alone, there's probably over 20,000 workers and we, but you know, there's no census. And so we are trying to gauge how many dancers uh, or strippers or sex workers, whatever you want to call us. I prefer sex worker or stripper. Uh, but you know, there's a lot of us. And so imagine the power if we were to revolt against the abusive dynamics and labor violations and assault and wage theft that has been going on in the clubs. Imagine if we all just walked out. So soldiers of pole is, is meant to be like a large union for all of them, or is it just one club? I uh, no, I'm thinking of, all of the dancers would be so we are all soldiers of pole. So it's re- it's um let me just back up. So Sorry. you know how like a hammer and sickle or like if you were an oil rigger, like the oil rig, some instrument of of your tool on the job would be your that would be your symbol. Well, the pole is what strippers have. That's sort of our instrument. It's right. our our weapon oh, yeah. or our tool on the job. And so that's why soldiers of pole, that's why we are calling ourselves that. Um and it also like differentiate. Uh, it, it, it's different. Every sex worker has a different. A lot of us have a different job. We're very intersectional. Yeah. So there's strippers and there's other types of sex workers and there's a lot of crossover 
But um, so soldiers of poll is what we're calling ourselves due to just being classified as employees. Right. And, so, and we're talking about the work done in the club. Yeah, that is a yeah. huge amount of people. And uh, so so what are the I mean, are there uh, challenges with trying to get this kind of thing going when it comes to this work? Because, you know, you've, you're kind of independent contractors at some point. There's kind of a competitive nature to it. Well, we're not independent contractors. That's oh, you're what not. I uh, the dynamics decision passed April of 2018, making all independent contractors or many of us employees. You've probably been hearing about this a little bit with Uber. Yeah. Because that's something that is um, doesn't carry the stigma that the sex industry carries. But if you think of Uber and the billions of dollars being thrown at the legislation and the lobbyists trying to, they're trying to keep Uber as independent contractors because, you know, we love those words. Like, those are words we like, independent, contractor. We like those words, but the reality, I don't know if you know this, but you have no rights at all in the oh, workplace yeah. as an independent contractor. Like you're screwed. Yeah, they've been, I mean, that's slipping into that independent contractor status uh, has, yeah, it's just, I mean, I remember, you know, just decades ago when there was a little bit more stability and you did expect things like 401ks and uh, healthcare, and it's just been every single job is losing that. And you're just an independent contractor now, I guess I, I didn't mean independent contractor. I just meant, I, I guess like one where you can make a lot of money from tips because this is a struggle that happens with like in the restaurant industry as well, where they're like, well, we can't pay him $15 an hour and give him tips. And it's like, well, why can't you, you know? Yeah, you can. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so, I mean, the focus, so the focus of the soldiers of poll, um, this is towards, I mean, equitable treatment. I mean, do you get, as an employee, do you get things like healthcare or retirement education? Oh, we should. Um, so, uh, the classification issue is really interesting in terms of trippers, uh, because of the stigma that that job has within it. Um, and when you were talking, you were saying, hey, you know, this isn't like a topic that I really delve into and or know a ton about. And like I have normal sex, like those types of things. That's because of the stigma and the shame that you, it's not your fault. Like you have absorbed that from our culture, mm -hmm. which, which um, inspires a, a culture of silence around things like stripping. And I want to. Lay, lay that bare and I want to um, unravel that for you um, and just say that as lap dancers, as strippers, as sex workers, we are workers that deserve all human rights that all other workers deserve. Uh, we do deserve health care. We do deserve workers comp. Um, and, you know, I've been a dancer for 26 years and the racketeering, the abusive labor practices the misclassification issue, the racism, the arbitrary cutting of shifts and hours, the bribery, the job precarity, the weird fees and fines and illegal incentivization that happens within strip clubs. I just want to like invite you to imagine a workforce of entirely scantily clad women and know that that is being exploited yeah. on a regular basis because we're women and it's wrong and it's always been wrong and it's always been illegal. But when one becomes accustomed to being treated like shit, 
it's very hard to get that group of workers to revolt. Yeah, absolutely. I could definitely see that. Well, I I need I guess I, you know, my terminology there was a little wrong. I didn't mean to say like I just don't spend time uh in the strip clubs the way that I used to, so I don't really have much to speak on the perspective uh of that. We did actually when I was in Atlanta, we went to the Claremont Lounge. I don't know if you're familiar with that, um but that was uh, the Claremont Lounge, it's the oldest strip club in Atlanta. Mm. Um, it was, I want to say it's like 50s or 60s. And when you walk wow. in there, it feels like it's like 1976. And uh, everything is old school. But there isn't like the the main stage is actually just the bar. And the majority of it is a dance floor. So it was like really fun because it's like you're partying and dancing with like your friends. And then there's also like naked ladies walking around like doing tricks and like kind of keeping the party going it like you know it takes it to like that next level when someone's walking around naked you know was it fully nude uh it was a topless bar uh mm. the claremont lounge is topless only uh just you know wearing panties and uh the dj was like probably 70 some years old uh wearing like a cheetah vest and a fedora and uh it was outrageous it was honestly one of the best times of my life that is so cool i've heard great things about atlanta clubs yeah, um, it's just a totally di different atmosphere when it's a party atmosphere. I know that some of the ones I've been to in my life just feel really gross and just, uh, you know, the guys that are there are just make me feel miserable. You know, they make it not a fun place to be. Yeah, I mean, they are um, a workforce of people who are trying to just, you know, make our lives miserable and um, give us as little, avoid giving us any benefits, avoid giving us our tips or stealing from us constantly. Like it's definitely like an abusive labor practice. Yeah, and and I mean, so when it comes to um, like actionable goals, what are, what is, what is like that for, what are you shooting for right now to, to make happen? Well, now that we're employees, we we definitely we want to unionize. We're definitely in a like education and base building phase where we're having meetings. I just want to tell dancers that they have rights and that this bullshit bribery and tip pooling commission it's not legal. The ways that they are gouging our tips and committing wage theft and assault and exploitation and discrimination, that it's not legal, that it's never been legal and that we can change it now, especially because we're reclassified properly as employees, we can change it. And it has to do with basic legal information about rights and about unions. And so I'm just right now just having meetings and we are, getting our allies on board, which we have a ton of allies. We have a ton of support from the community. It's fucking beautiful. And just trying to get dancers to show up and get that information. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, how long have you been involved with, with the activism side of this? Oh, me personally? Yeah. For 25 years. Okay. I mean, we unionized the lusty lady back in 96. Um, we became SEIU local 790, the exotic dancers Alliance. Awesome. Um, 
Yeah, that was back in San Francisco. Um, and we were also employees at that club and we were able to not only unionize, uh, but we became the first ever strip club that was a collective. Wow. That's so dope. I know. And it's the first successful lasting union and it's the first successful lasting collective. And then what happened is, you know, San Francisco, the, um, rents just skyrocketed and I don't know. I don't have the actual paperwork in front of me, but I have heard that, you know, because Deja Vu is the corporation that owns all of the strip clubs or a lot of them. Okay. And I heard that um, they bought the lease that the lessee lady, uh, the building. And so we were unable to pay our rent because they did jacked up the rent um, to get us out of, to, take us out of business like Walmart, like Starbucks, like yeah. any other business that is trying to have a monopoly on the industry. God damn. That's wild. Yeah. I mean, so, so yeah. how has, how have things changed, uh, you know, over the last, you know, 20 years, uh, to now even like, I, I feel in a lot of ways, uh, with social media that a lot of more folks are getting turned on to these radical things. And like you said, the enthusiasm and the, the educational part is, uh, more people are asking for that uh, more than ever. I see people that are sharing, you know, information about sex work and, you know, how you can help and how you can rethink it and stuff like that. Um, do you, has that like been a bump in what you do? Sure. I mean, I think I like your optimism. I think that social media has definitely given voice to a lot of these labor movements like the New York stripper strike and a lot of the sex worker movements. But at the same time, if you look at who's running Facebook, these are a bunch of white tech bros who are uh, discriminating against us and trying to muzzle our voices. And also like the FBI has completely shut down any sex work profiles. Mm -hmm. So you see that stigma and you see that the curtailing of our free speech happening um, and shutting down our community uh, with the legal forces that are, you know, due to the FAFSA and SESTA legislation and, and due to this um, religious right that is in power right now and how they are trying to shut down uh, women and our relationship with the state. And, and it has directly to do with our, the relationship between women's bodies and the state, which brings me to the thing that we were kind of chatting about before about like the words, like, so the word prostitute, you know, I was just listening to Maggie Gyllenhaal talking um, to the New Yorker journalist about her role in the deuce as that character candy. Um, I don't know if you watched the deuce. I didn't see it. Well, the word prostitute is a, um, it's a carceral term which has to do with the misdemeanor that you would get if you were picked up for street-based sex work. So the word prostitute, we don't use. We use sex worker. Got it. Um, and we don't really distinguish between stripper, you know, handjob whore, street-based sex work, survival sex work. You can giggle if you want. That's fine. But like all it's, we're just a workforce. And, yeah. and it's best if we like just hold hands together and fight together as one unit. Um, and that has everything to do with kind of our right to monetize the male gaze and and be a workforce and use our use our bodies to do whatever the fuck we want. And um, and that's what's revolutionary about being a sex worker to begin with, is that women have um, 
that women and tra trans women as well, and women of color and other marginalized groups, immigrant women have managed to monetize the male gaze in a way that's not heteronormative and not participating in heteronormative relationships the way that is expected, um, expected by patriarchal society. And that like that there's a seed of revolution there in how women are negotiating those relationships. And so the word sex worker is a powerful word. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, your frankness just caught me off guard there. Yeah, um, I'm very but so, yeah, I guess um, if you don't mind, if I, I don't want to pry too much, but I mean, what as your craft, um, what what do you I mean, I guess it's probably different for everybody. But what what are you are you what exactly do you feel from your side um, you're providing? Is it fantasy? Is it a, a good time at the moment? Is it you know, what what are your goals to have like a successful interaction with somebody just to help listeners of the show out? Um, I'm not sure what the question right. is. How can, how can we, can, how can, uh, how can a guy come to a strip club and enjoy it and not be like a patriarchal asshole? Oh. <laughs> um, well, I would say that, um, to join soldiers of pole, to join our mailing list, to contribute to our cause, to, to, here's what I want men to know. I want you to know that when you go into a strip club in California right now, um, that women are scared and we're learning about how to unionize and that when you give that girl a hundred dollar tip, she's getting maybe 40% of that. And that you need to know that like she's having a shitty time and she's trying to empower herself. So to try and tip her on stage and try to like tip her and, and listen to her and, and, you know, join soldiers of pole and, you know, just, be fucking cool and just realize that like, this is a workforce and just know that when you go in there and spend that money, those women are being stolen from until they unionize. So try to encourage that and don't be a dick. <laughs> right. I mean, it's one of those, it's like, it's not a boycott situation, but um, you just have to know that, it, I mean, it's similar to, you know, like, like you said, all the other services now where the company is taking almost everything. Uh, and leave yeah. What other company are you thinking about right now? Like, I know Whole Foods has like pretty good, a pretty good system in terms of hiring trans people and people of color. Is that wrong? Is that not true? No, that is true. They definitely do a good job with that. I was thinking more along the lines of like the um the uh what's it called Grubhub thing where they were people were giving the like a six dollar tip and like the person wasn't getting the tip at all. It was going to Grubhub, you know. Okay, well, that's 100% illegal. So you cannot, uh, it's really weird. We need to change the law about tipping. The way that I understand tipping, it's illegal to take anyone's tips. But your manager, let's say you wait tables, the manager can come in and say, okay, check it out, Brett, today we're pooling tips today. Right, and I right. guess they can do that. And we need to stop that. The, uh, the manager shouldn't be able to take any part of your tip. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I really would love to just move towards something that's everybody's, we're, our, our, everybody isn't required, you know, to make sure that we're paying for someone else's livelihood on, on tips, you know? Uh, I mean, I, th I think that it's, it is an interesting marketplace, but we need, we do need to 
take care of the foundational elements of somebody else's lives before we go in there and just think that we can spend enough money to make it okay. Yeah, I totally think that's a great way to approach it. Um, it's grim right now. I don't really know what to say, except that when you go into, when you go into like a corporate strip club, just know that, that those assholes are taking like 60 to 70% of those tips that those girls are getting and that we are trying in the process of changing that. So I wouldn't patronize Spearmint Rhino or Deja Vu right now. You couldn't pay me to walk in the door and give and give any money because they are stealing 70% of that money. And it's 100% illegal. Um, they have found ways to get around it. It's very, it's racketeering, it's wage theft. They're actually making girls pay their own minimum wage right now and giving them paychecks that say on them cost of employment. They're giving them zero paychecks. Like it is wage theft. That is what it's, it's theft. It's happening. Uh, and the problem is like, that's great that this law changed and that we're employees, but the way the law is being implemented, it's almost like we need people to come in and help us. And that's where I guess the union comes in. It's like, we need help like that. They're getting away with this. Yeah. Yeah. That takes a lot of effort. Um, well, I want to add, I kind of just had something I was just thinking about, just a little side convo here. I wanted to know, like, as somebody that has stayed involved with all of this, I mean, what what keeps you, like, on track? I mean, how do you not get too beaten down? Like, what gets, what keeps you motivated to, to uh, like, is there anything that you can help? Because a lot of our audience are, like, lifelong activists, and, you know, I've, we've, I've spent time doing it now for a very long time, and burnout is very much a real thing. Mm. And uh, you just seem like I'm very impressed with you. So I, I would like oh, for you to you. share some knowledge of like how to not make this something that, you know, makes you not want to get out, get out of bed in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Um, God, that is such a great question because I do have those days. You know, I have those days where it's hard to get out of bed in the morning um, because it does feel hopeless but i i listen to a lot of podcasts i listen to a lot of radical podcasts i stay inspired i have other income streams so i'm also a teacher at ucla extension i teach essay one two and three and i teach um i teach writing as a revolutionary tool and i teach memoir wow. and my my students inspire me and um i stay really motivated in in my writing um and in my publishing. So I try to stay kind of like in the flow of my creativity and I have other income streams. So I'm not entirely hundred percent dependent on like these clubs that I keep getting fired from or walking away from or challenging. Well, and that, I mean, that gives you a, I mean, that does give you a foundation um, that makes it so that you can push back. Um, you know, you're not totally reliant upon that place. Uh, so that gives you the, the opportunity to agitate. So yes. You're a process person. You just you you just stick to it and keep doing it because it it makes you feel better in the end and you know at least you tried. Well, I mean it's the long game. So, you know, I'm Antonia Long Game Crane. <laughs> it took 2 years to unionize and we were mostly we were pretty on board a lot of girls there. Um we are strategizing strategizing right now and it takes time. Um, and I think like, it's a big 
it's a big opportunity for a lot of really important conversations. And, and those conversations are energizing. I mean, those conversations are about like, let's interrogate what you think about sex workers. Let's interrogate what you see and, and feel when you go into a strip club and what labor means. Like, what does it mean that women have managed to monetize, monetize the male gaze in this way? Like, what does labor mean? Whose work is being done? And I think when those kinds of conversations start happening, and I realize that I'm talking like in an abstract way and as a worker, so it's a little bit confusing. Um, but as a worker, you know, it is hard and it is difficult, but I love the job. I love the women. I love the workforce. I think it's an art form. I think it's a great job. I think it's a great blue collar gig for women. Um, I've always felt that way. It's very creative. It's strong. It's beautiful. All dancing is an absolute art form. Um, the women that I work with, I'm invested in them. And it really comes down to people. Like, it comes down to connecting with people and investing in people. Mm-hmm. And that's what unionizing is about. It's not about me. It's about the new stripper who comes into the game and is like, what do you mean we have to give over 70% of our tips? And I'm like, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, helping educate them and helping them live better lives. And it's also about injured vets, you know. There's something wrong with a job that is so absolutely athletic and so absolutely physically taxing that we don't have workers comp. Mm -hmm. That my neck has been out for 20 years and that I've never had workers comp as a pole dancer. Yeah. The way that we treat male athletes in this culture and then the way that we treat strippers in this culture. Just look at that. My, well, my, I mean, our, our producer was, has been a mover for years and he's, he never had any protections and he finally gave up when his, like both of his ankles were just in pain. He couldn't walk. And his boss was like, well, you're going to be here or not. You know, he's like, I don't, you know, he's like, I, I don't, if you don't show up, you lose your job. And he's like, you know, well, fuck it. I quit. I don't want to do this anymore. You know, there's no concern paid towards the physical toll that this kind of stuff takes on you, especially, wow. when, you know, yeah. to, to folks that, yeah, I mean, they're, that aren't even in you. I mean, you know, sex work isn't even talked about in public. And that's what we need to change. And so let me just, um, let me just unpack that. What you just told me for your listeners, Okay, and they can, metabolize. So you were saying like, yeah, my friend is a mover. He's been moving for a long time and he's hurt and he's never had any protection. So what's his name? Just name a name. So Jason, um, he's maybe 40 or whatever. And has been for a long time, very physical job, very labor intensive. Let's say Jason went to work and his boss said, Hey, check it out. Jason, the first five people that you move today, you don't get any of that money. I'm taking that money. I get all of that money. After you've moved five people today, then you start making money. Yeah. That's what it is to be a stripper. That's fucked up. Yeah, that's, that's awful. Uh, that's totally unacceptable. And we have normalized that because we have become accustomed to being ripped off. Yeah. And no, yeah, no one wants to be the one caught sticking up for sex workers or to be, you know, publicly yeah. associated with that. And so then a stripper is like, oh, we're employees now. This is wrong. And no one's listening. Yeah. Yeah. That, it's, it's awful. So what, what got you into this? I mean, were you raised in a radical household or did you like sneak away and read books? I mean, what was your first uh, taste of 
that radical politics? Um, no, I come from a small town. My dad is still an attorney. He's very conservative. My mother passed away. She was a paralegal. I come, I speak lawyer. My love language is arguing. Yes, that makes sense. <laughs> I definitely picked it. I've picked up that on that now. All ties together. Yeah, my love language is debating. Like, um, I, I was not born in a radical household at all. Um, I think going to San Francisco, San Francisco is a revolutionary place. It's a revolutionary sure. town. We were always in the streets protesting something. And, and we got little tiny wins. And it's those little tiny wins, those micro wins that keep you going. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's just there. You know, I, I just really try to convince people to, to make the leap to go out there uh, and be in the streets with other people and, you know, be next to them and, and feel the energy from them and know that they're there with you because it is such yeah. a healing thing to know that other people are there. It's, it's having someone say it on the computer screen just doesn't match up. I can't tell you the savage loneliness that being a sex worker and being a queer sex worker brings in the world. And that the one healing thing, it's not enough to post on Instagram. And that's my concern with Instagram and social media is that people post something and they think that's community and they think that's doing something it's not. I'm interested in the post Instagram world. Um, and I'm interested in getting people out in the streets again and looking each other in the eye and really changing things. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Um, what is what is the best way uh, for listeners to support the, the cause? Um, you can just go on Instagram and online and just join Soldiers of Pole. Get on our mailing list. See what we're doing. Um, come support us. We, we're having some events. We have Jack the Stripper coming to town. Uh, and we're going to do a pop-up strip club. And... You know, we're just trying to get our allies around us so that we can, you know, get some momentum going. So just support us. Just when somebody laughs about strippers unionizing, come correct and say, hey, they are being exploited and we stand with them formally and informally. We stand with strippers and we believe that that workforce deserves all of the rights that, that every other workforce deserves and that we are standing with them and just, just, you know, take it serious and, um, and stand with us and join soldiers of pole on, on every platform. And what about you, Antonia? What are you working on right now? Or oh, dude. Um, so I am directing a documentary about this effort called soldiers of pole. Okay. And yeah. And I'm, directing another narrative film. I have fallen in love with screenplays and filmmaking. I um, was that, in a development room. Is that new or you just were around it? Um, no, I've been working on this stuff for like 10 years. Um, oh. I wrote a screenplay and got a grant for that um, like seven years ago or something. And, you know, it's a process. Everything is takes a super long time. But uh I'm making short films. I'm directing a documentary. I'm teaching at UCLA. Um, just you know, trying to keep it afloat over here. Just trying to keep the lights on. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, you're, 
<laughs> you got a one woman band going on over there. Totally. It's great though. You know, it's, um, I live in LA. It's a really creative place and it's, um, it's a challenge to like plug in and break in, you know? Um, but I did just, uh, I was in a development writing room recently and, uh, that project is Red Sonia, which is a comic strip superhero. Oh yeah. The movie with, uh, the movie from back in the day too. Yeah. And, uh, good. Uh, totally. and Jill Soloway is attached as a director. So Brigitte Nielsen uh, was it in that movie. Yeah. 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 Was that in the eighties? Yeah. That was, that came out after Conan. Yeah. That was a good, oh, it was good. Just as good. So like I was in a development room for that project and mm. we um, like, they just sold that pitch to millennium films. Um, so that's gonna that's in the works, and uh, Jill Soloway is attached as a director. Brian Singer was fired, so that's gonna be killer. It's gonna be fucking yeah. up. That sounds cool as hell. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad. I'm I'm happy to hear about that. So you know, I got the like stripper element going with the Red Sonia. So look for that. <laughs> for sure. Um, and uh, I'm sprinkling, I'm sprinkling Hollywood with empowered stripper vibes. Hey, anywhere you can get it. Yeah. So, I guess before we go here, I want to ask you something about Street Fight. Um, something Street Fight is that uh, we talk about small business tyrants, and I know you've talked about the the work and all of that. But is there any specific like horrible boss moments that you wouldn't mind sharing with us? Just one that sticks out of your mind of of a really terrible situation or or a boss that really got on your nerves. Sure. Um, I could talk, talk about this for like the next hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, we'll do it. We'll do a special, <laughs> special edition. Uh, how about last summer? There was a shooting at my club. Oh, wow. And how did uh, they react? Well, when you call the, when I called the cops, they, I, you know, you get in trouble for calling the cops. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> a guy died. Um, you oh. can look up. It's on the news. It's um, called Showgirls and it's in um, Palm Springs slash Cat City. It's actually in Cat City. And there was a shooting. A man died, two other wounded. And it's like, you know, let's talk about the first step of having a business is that you have to provide a safe and sane work environment. Yeah. And there are bullets in outside the building. I could take a picture of it and send you of there was a shooting in my strip club. <laughs> Holy moly. Yeah. What is what a management expect you to do? Oh, what management? <laughs> so, so were you all just like held captive until your shift was over? I had actually driven away. Oh, um, but that's just one of many things that have happened. I've also, um, there's been a gang fight there, I used to work at a club where there, where the Mongols would have their meetings and yeah. a fight out, and all the girls ran out in our stripper gear and just like went into our cars and drove away. That's it's awesome. it's such an unregulated shit show. This is why we need regulation. Yeah, I mean, is so is there a is there a place that that is more up to your standards? Do you, is like is there a, is there an ideal that exists somewhere else in the world that you know of that you think is a, a a healthier relationship? I don't know. I shouldn't know if there's any innovations going on in some of the, you know, big places for it. Well, there is um, one of our soldiers of pole and her partner are opening a strip club here. So it's going to be stripper owned and operated. Cool. And they are 
looking for a space right now. And that is going to be the model. It's going uh, to be different. Yes. That's awesome. And that person who is opening that strip club is also on my board of directors for Soldiers of Pole. Okay. Well, that's so that is going to be like, we are just going to rock it so hard and yeah, just really positive workplace. Yeah. Don't talk about it. Be about it. Make it exactly. Show people how it works. Show them how the money gets split up, how everybody can walk away happy. Exactly. This not be a shitty situation. And we it's did- not- yeah, it's going to be called the Fox Den. All right. And it's going to be somewhere in Hollywood. So. All right. Well, keep your eyes out for that for sure. Um, Totes. Yeah, I mean that's how it is. Like with our show too. I mean, we raise a lot of money. We we are a small business and it's capitalism or whatever. But um, I also get to pay like artists, young artists that are normally you know doing shit for exposure, and you know they don't expect to get paid at all. You know, I get to give them a decent amount of money for their time and effort. You know. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, I, I don't think it's the solution to all of our problems, but, um, if you, if you're courageous enough to, to go for it and, or, uh, you know, orient yourself in a way that is towards, you know, equitability for everyone that's involved. Um, I mean, uh, there's no reason not to, I, I, I really wish you the most success on that. I'm going to keep that Thank you. I'm getting on that email list so I can make sure I can keep up with that because that's an I also want to say one interesting project. I'm sorry. Go Thank ahead. You so much. No, 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 I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, one, um, one more thing I wanted to add um, on a positive note, like we'll have a little positive corner. Yay! Is that um, you know these strip clubs and the people running them are terrible and they are exploitive, they are discriminatory, and they are breaking violation codes one by one and getting away with murder and have been for decades. But I wanted to say that my clients are awesome and that I have collected a stable of incredibly supportive, progressive clients. So I want to encourage men out there, listeners to like, be that client, like be a fucking cool client and stay in touch with your favorite neighborhood stripper. And like, I have clients whose wives come in and like, I have a relationship with their wives and their wives bring me gifts. Like it's so cute, you know, and I've had them yeah, that's wonderful. a dozen years. And it's like, I have a client I've had for 24 years. That's wild. Well, that's what, then that's what I was trying. That's what I was kind of fumbling about <laughs> earlier is I was just, you know, like, you know, for you, um, I mean, in that position for 24 years, you've been providing what, uh, just company. I mean, how do you, yeah. how do you feel about this? Per- you, I mean, you obviously, you, you have a connection to them. You know, if somebody came to my restaurant for 24 years, I would, you know, yeah. get to know them too. Yeah. I'm in their lives. I mean, they are, um, they've played extras in my films. Like they are super supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a professional relationship. So it's kind of like, it's a client. So it's like that person is, you know, not a family member, but they are definitely like, there's a mutually supportive relationship. Like I provide them with a lot of like personal support and sexual fantasy and, you know, physical touch and affection. These are real needs and these are real things that people need in their lives. Yes, absolutely. Comfort, support, physical touch being touched by another human body. Like these are real things that people fucking need. Yeah. I mean, you're doing, I mean, a lot of that stuff is some people don't have other avenues for things like that. I I bet you're doing a lot of like uh, free therapy too. 
Yes, yes. <laughs> a lot of therapy. Um, it's a lot of listening. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of educating also. Yeah, and it's such a it's just such an incredibly just an incredibly precise thing to have somebody come in and make sure that they have the best time that's tailored to them. You know, not like they're not buying an experience that, you know, you are going to work with them to make sure that you can come up with, you know, a good time for everybody. Uh, that's a good point. You know, it's not like bagging groceries. Right. Right. You know, it is really, it's more, it's an entertainer, but that entertainer, it's very personal. Yeah. I mean, even when I get on stage, I mean, I, I'm looking at like the crowd, let me, let's me, like they decide where I, how I do things. They decide how I deliver punchlines. They decide where I go with stuff just based totally. upon their reaction. So it's, it's changed every single time. Yeah. And every night, I mean, even like if you go on stage at eight, it's a different crowd than when you're on stage at 11 PM, totally different crowd. Yeah. It requires a lot of different skill sets requires to change on the fly. No, I mean, it, it is, um, you know, I, I really uh, enjoy like conversation. I enjoy like, you know, sexual tension and energy and things like that. And, and I think that, you know, uh, that kind of experience is worth, can be worth a lot of money for, in my right. eyes. I mean, I don't disrespect it at all. It's, it takes yeah. a lot of talent. And you're a comic, right? Yes. So like, we have a ton in common, by the way, strippers and comics, we have a ton in common. So like what you were saying, like, hey, it's my jokes that land at eight don't land at 11 or like this particular group, like they decide and, and they curate kind of where I'm going to go with a certain joke or a certain line or a story. Like it's exactly the same as stripping. Like the only difference is the amount of clothing we have on. Like it's the same. You are at the whim of the energy of the room and the people in the space. And it's a live show also. So like a dance, you're very much like a dancer. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a live show and it's, and it's a very personal. Well, yeah. And I mean, and with that, I mean, with you, the clothing is, is the jokes and it's in a lot of ways. And then the way that you, uh, you know, utilize those things is different. How fastly, how much tension you let build, you know, how. Absolutely. How adjusting, you know, what comes off first, what you get a peek of, you know, before, before, uh, you know, the, the finale or whatever it may be. Totally. I mean, yeah, I mean, I've been trying to like, I've been having these conversations for a while about, well, who do we have stuff in common with? And it's, I have actually found that stand-up comics, you are the ones that our labor force has the most in common with. Yeah, nobody thinks that like, I mean, people just think that like, oh, you're pretty, so that's easy. And they're like, oh, you're funny, that that's easy for you. It just comes naturally. You shouldn't even get oh. paid paid for this because you didn't try. It's not like you've harvested a craft or anything. You're just natural. You were just born funny. You know, no, it's so hard. Art drawing too. I mean, I used to draw a lot, and that was another one where people would just ask me to draw stuff for them, and I'd be like, I mean, that took like a few hours to do that, and they're like, well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's easy for you, and it's like, yeah. no, I drew every single day of school and practice and practice until I was good enough to have someone like you ask me. Nothing is easy. Right. Right. Nothing comes naturally. And, and, um, you know, these, the entertainment business is just so, uh, I mean, just to everybody else, they think that we're like living the dream and so that we don't deserve much of anything, you know, cause we're not in an office. It's you know? so hard. It's terrifying and it's hard, but they can, they couldn't survive without us. I mean, they're, they are so, they are so wound up in their little hamster wheel and they need 
the creativity like we are the spice of life for all of them but they just think that you know they don't want to they don't want to admit it you know or be open i don't know i think that's a really good point i think that like expand your mind and how you see labor and really think about what work is being done and how you dehumanize that workforce just naturally without thinking about it and really interrogate that interrogate what work is and if you look at the role of the comedian i take this stuff super serious like it's the the comics role is incredibly important to society and you have a key role in revolution and a key role in politics and i i love comics and it's your job to offend everyone and it's your job to hold up that mirror and show us what we're doing wrong and make fun of us relentlessly. And it's a very hard job. And I, I respect it a lot. And I, and I feel like a very, a very strong kinship with comics. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate that. And well, I, I have a new kinship with sex workers as well. And I appreciate um, you for getting me there. So <laughs> <laughs> it's been fun. Yeah. So you can uh, find her on Twitter. That's where most of our people are at. Uh, Antonia, oh, they are? Yeah, at Antonia Crane, uh, A-N-T-O-N-I-A-C-R-A-N-E. Um, let her know what you thought of the show, uh, you know, yeah. how awesome it was and some new stuff you learned. I appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me. And thank you, Angel, uh, for getting this thing set up. It was uh, a blast. We will see you later this week. We're Street Fight. Peace. Peace.